Hi, I'm Jeremiah Johnston. Here's the podcast for The Jeremiah Johnston Show. And don't forget, you can also listen live across the Faith Radio Network Saturdays at 11 a.m. Central or 12 Eastern for the entire hour. And if you want your question read on the live show, go ahead and send it to me at www.askjjj.com. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome to The Jeremiah Johnston Show. Combining cutting-edge biblical scholarship with meaningful, thought-provoking discussions and practical answers to your questions. It's time to own your faith and be a Christian thinker with our host, author, Bible scholar, apologist, and president of the Christian Thinker Society, Dr. Jeremiah Johnston. Welcome to another program. This is your host, Jeremiah, reminding you that leaders are great listeners. This whole principle of learning to listen to what the questions actually are, rather than deploying our immediate trite answer, is so important for every one of us to nourish in our Christian life if we're going to be effective Christian communicators. And that's what this program is all about, resourcing and equipping you to minister and to con- uh, have conversations that are effective. We're not just trying to win an argument and lose a soul. We're actually trying to be winsome so that we can win some <laughs> for Jesus Christ. And I want you to know I'm listening to you uh, right here at the outset. This program, the lines are open to you to ask questions. So you can submit those to me at askjjj.com. We receive hundreds of them. I want to jump right into some questions that I've been asked. Uh, Debbie asks me over text message, did did Jesus ever apologize? Thanks so much for your question, Debbie. No, uh, I'm a historical Jesus scholar. Jesus never apologized. He never needed to. He never sinned, so apologizing was not necessary. He never had to make amends is another way of saying it. Thanks so much for your question. Uh, here's another question from Megan that's come in at AskJJJ.com. Hi, Jeremiah. I've recently become a Christian. I am, however, cohabitating. That means she's living together with her boyfriend. We aren't on a position to break our lease, so I'm wondering what the best option is. Megan, thanks so much for the question. Um, you may not like my answer, but I hope you'll keep an open mind. I would encourage you to move in immediately with parents or a friend just temporarily until uh, you and your boyfriend get married. Uh, by the way, some landlords offer a reletting fee for getting out of a lease. I think I emailed it to you. It's usually around 80 to 85% of one month's rent. It's well worth it. And I just want to tell you, uh, if you and your sp- you and your future spouse love Jesus Christ, if you're committed to Jesus Christ even more than your marriage, even more than your relationship, God will honor this decision if you move out temporarily. Uh, when Audrey and I were dating, and my wife and I dated for three and a half years uh, before we got married. In fact, I often lament to her, Audrey, I just wish we would have gotten married sooner. And she reminds me she was 20 years of age when we were married. So she would have been a teenager if we would have gotten married any sooner. We had plenty of opportunities to move in together. I was a homeowner, a bachelor. She could have easily moved in with me. But there was actually a time where Audrey and I actually had to reach out to a friend of ours, Susan. And we remember her well to this day where Audrey lived with her for a couple of months before we were married. Now, why did we do that? Because we wanted to honor Jesus Christ. We've been married almost 15 years now. We've prayed together every day almost of our marriage. And we always feel like Megan God has honored that decision. So it will be temporarily difficult. But when you make those kinds of decisions for God where you put Jesus first, you watch. He sees you all the way through. And I want you to know, Megan, I'm going to be praying for you and your boyfriend 
Put Jesus first. Watch him bless your marriage, and you're going to have a great testimony someday that you're going to be able to share with others. Friends, we've got to take a break. Joining me on the line is Justin Brierly, all the way from London, England. In 90 seconds, I'm going to be talking to Justin about his new book, Unbelievable, Why He He Is Still a Christian After 10 Years of Talking to Atheists. And then stay with us, and don't forget you can submit your questions to me at askjjj.com. We'll be be speaking to those uh, throughout this program. So stay with us in 90 seconds. Justin joins us from London, England. Well, welcome back to the program. This is your host, Jeremiah and friends. I'm so excited about the opportunity you have to meet one of our great friends at Christian Thinkers Society and on the Jeremiah Johnston Show. I have joining us all the way from across the pond, Justin Brierly. Uh, he is from London, England, and he is a name that everyone knows in the world of Christian apologetics because for the last 10 years, he has been having conversations with atheists, and yet he, his faith, as we're going to hear, has never been stronger. You might recognize his voice because for the last decade, he's been hosting the unbelievable broadcast and podcast. It is exceptional, and we'll get into that uh, the architecture of how the program began. There's really no program like it. Uh, but, Justin, I'm so delighted to have you on Faith Radio Network with our broadcast today. Thanks for taking time to talk to us all the way from London, England. Thank you, Jeremiah. It's so good to, to speak to you and to be on your, your new show. I'm very excited. I've started following the show, and I'm recommending it to others because it sounds like you've got some really fantastic guests that on and in the future as well. Well, you're adding great value to the program, Justin, and we have done, let's see here now, we've done at least two, if not three, events together in partnership there with pastors and Christian leaders in London with your annual Unbelievable Conference, and you are now expanding, aren't you? Tell us about the conference event you just had in Portland, Oregon, uh, here in the U.S., yeah, that's right. Um, the, the joy of doing Unbelievable as a radio show and podcast is that many of the listeners are based out in North America. And so um, we were able to go out at uh, the end of August to Portland, Oregon, and partner with a church, Westside, uh, a Jesus church in Portland, uh, to put on our very first Unbelievable conference in the USA. Uh, and that began with a Friday night dialogue that I hosted between um, Christian thinker Sean McDowell and atheist blogger Hemant Mehta. And then we had an all-day conference at the church on the Saturday, and then I was able to finish up by preaching on Sunday morning. So it was a wonderful uh, weekend, very busy, hectic, and kind of I was kind of on this eight-hour jet lag thing, which kind of <laughs> meant that I, I kept going on. Coffee, adrenaline, and the Holy Spirit basically got me through that weekend. And uh, but it was a wonderful time, and, and just meeting so many U.S.-based unbelievable listeners was was just fantastic too. Well, the the, the coffee and the PDX, uh, you that that and the Holy Spirit could get me through anything. Uh, and just, I want to give you an appropriate introduction because for years you were the editor of Premier Christianity Magazine, which is really um, I hate to do comparisons, but it is the premier Christian magazine in the United Kingdom. It's done so well. I personally am a subscriber. I would encourage anyone listening to me. Uh, to definitely subscribe to Premier Christianity, the magazine. Uh, but you've transitioned, haven't you? You've transitioned recently. You're still at Premier Christian Ministries and Radio, but you're now the theology and apologetics editor for the magazine. And I really think that this is a great fit for you because you've really expanded. The Lord has really opened up more doors for you because of your work with the Unbelievable program. But, you know, this program... Uh, you know, it, it didn't get FedEx to you from heaven. I mean, you started it from nothing. So 
Take us back, and in, in, uh, what I love, and I want to say this, Justin, I think you are by far the most gifted Christian interviewer and moderator that is at work today in the kingdom. I say that unequivocally. You are so gifted. I've seen you in difficult environments. You always represent our faith with class and with dignity. You represent the other side with great excellence as well. You're never out to get someone. Uh, and so anyways, I, I just compliment you. But, but for the benefit of our audience, please take us back to why you felt there should be a need for Christians and non-Christians, Christians and atheists, people who disagreed, actually dialogue, and then you had the faith to record it and put it out on the airwaves. Tell us about it. Well, thank you so much for those very kind words, Jeremiah. Um, uh, and it is a, an immense privilege to do this show. It began uh, getting on for 13 years ago now, believe it or not, um, when I first went to the uh, manager of our radio station here in the UK, Premier Christian Radio. I'd been um, started out in broadcasting, really, and, and I'd kind of got my feet under the table learning how to do interviews, how to do broadcast journalism. But I really wanted a slot in our schedule where we would not just speak to Christians about Christian things, but we would actually kind of widen the circle and, and actually have conversations with non-Christians and, and model for our Christian listeners on a Christian radio station what having a conversation with someone who doesn't share your beliefs might look like. And that was really how the show got started. Um, it wasn't without its, you know, problems, because obviously, um, you know, some people, when the show first started going out, said, why are you inviting atheists and non-believers onto my Christian radio mm, station? Mm. Don't we have enough of them on the BBC already? Yeah. You know? um, but uh, that, that was understandable. But I think um, it was just a case of really, I think, people getting used to the idea of having that kind of a space in the slot just once a week where we could do something a bit different. Um, and those who enjoyed it really loved it. They, they saw the value in it, that, that this was a really important way of reaching beyond the confines of the Christian church. And, and of course, once it started broadcasting as a podcast as well and being picked up all over the world, um, that's when it, things really took off as well because that meant not just Christians listening, but a lot of non-Christians actually started to get hold of it that way because they felt that their case was being put fairly. And I was trying to create this fair kind of moderated debate each week and so what's fascinating is you know now 10 years since we started podcasting i get as many emails from non-christians each week as i do mm. from christians and and i just love that that we can create that kind of a space where we can have honest questions um dialogue answers i i'm you know i i am a christian i that's what i come to the conversations with but i try to make sure that i i you give both sides the opportunity to, to have their say, and, and we make sure that it's a respectful, civil, and hopefully fruitful dialogue in the end. Friends, we're listening to the voice of Justin Brierley, who leads the unbelievable pro uh, podcast and radio show. He's talking to us all the way from London, England, and I want to encourage you to connect with him right now on social media, at UnbelievableJB for Justin Brierley, at UnbelievableJB. And definitely join the Facebook Facebook group. There's a public Facebook page, Unbelievable JB, as well, where the podcasts are posted and the conversation continues. We're hearing about the architecture of how what is a go-to program now for pastors and for Christian thinkers to be educated about not only what believers think, about how to commend the first things of faith, but also to learn how to be great listeners, to hear the arguments of those who are outside of our faith. Uh, Justin, what are some of the traits for having great faith conversations? You've certainly modeled it now for 13 years, but for those that are listening that are just getting their toes wet, I mean, it, it is a courage step, isn't it, for someone to actually talk to someone yeah. else about their faith. So 
you know, for that mom out there who's listening right now who sees you up on this pedestal, I could never do what he does. What would you say to her or to any other Christians about some of the guardrails or the best practices? What are the power tips for having faith conversations? I, I think, firstly, I just want to say don't be afraid. I think very often we run away from having these kinds of conversations because we're afraid that we might not have the right answers, that we wouldn't know what to say and so on. And and I think the first thing, you know, there's a classic um, scripture, scripture quote that is often what apologists go to, First Peter 3.15, and, um, and that is always be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks you about the reason for the hope that you have. Now, what we don't often get is the bit before that, which says, do not be afraid. Uh, mm. and, and I think that's the problem is we often enter these conversations guarded. Um, we don't, you know, and, and I think the first thing to do is simply to realize this is another human being made in the image of God, loved by God, and you may not have all the answers, and that's fine, because most people don't have all the answers, and it's fine to go into a conversation, be prepared to listen, don't get defensive, don't have knee-jerk responses if you hear something that offends you or, or is, is not in line with what you believe. You just be ready to, to listen, to understand, and if you don't have an answer to hand, say, I'd love to continue this conversation, let me go away, look into that, and come back. It's, to, to me, it's more important to keep the conversation going, and, and, and actually I find that actually once you start a conversation, it, it becomes that much easier to continue it at some point. You don't have to have all the answers, but in the end, you'll often find that, that just having the conversation breaks down some barriers with, with someone who doesn't share your faith necessarily. Tremendous, friends. We're talking to Justin Briley all the way from London, England. We've got to go to a break, but in 90 seconds, I'm going to ask Justin why, after 10 years of speaking with atheists, that he's still a follower of Jesus. If you have a student, if you have a child or a grandchild who's attending college or university right now, or perhaps in a compromising situation, I want to encourage you to not change that dial because Justin is going to tell us why he's still following Jesus 10 years after these conversations with atheists. Stay with us. Friends, welcome back to the Jeremiah Johnston Show. I'm your host, Jeremiah, and I want to again welcome everyone out there who's listening across the Faith Radio Network, but I also want to especially welcome those who are listening who are not in any of the Faith Radio Network station demographics. Perhaps you're listening on the Faith Radio app or you're listening on the podcast. We have hundreds of pastors who connect with us over on the podcast, so I want to thank you again for your reviews and for subscribing. And don't forget, you can join the conversation also. Uh, if you're not listening live, but you'd love to hear your question read on the air, just send me an email. Go to www.askjjj.com. That's askjjj.com. That will come right to our desk, and we will get it in the pipeline to discuss your question on air here on the broadcast. Well, I want to get right back to Justin, who's still on the line with us, Justin Brierly. He leads the unbelievable radio broadcast and podcast. He's been having conversations with atheists now for 13 years in broadcasting that and with non-Christians. And he's recently uh, come out with a book that is just tremendous. And friends, I don't do this very often, as you know, listening to the broadcast regularly, but I give an unqualified endorsement of Justin Brierley's book. It's just called Unbelievable, with a question mark. This is a book you need to have in your Christian library. It's published by SPCK, a great U.K. publisher. It's distributed here in the United States by InterVarsity. Justin, uh, Alistair McGrath is a name we know. He wrote the foreword to your book. Why are you still a Christian after 10 years of talking with atheists? 
It's a great question, Jeremiah, because obviously you sort of put yourself in the firing line by hosting a show where week in, week out, you'll often be having a skeptical voice on one side of the conversation. And in fact, after 10 years of doing the show, one of the main questions that came in when I did a Ask Me Anything type program well, from both Christian listeners and, and atheists was, how come you're still a Christian, Justin? And so really the book was my response to that question. And for me, um, you know, obviously there are many questions and mysteries that Christianity throws up, and I don't think we're ever going to have the answers to everything this side of eternity. But what the show has given me is the opportunity to, to, if you like, look at two different ways of looking at the world side by side. One of them is what we often call atheism, the view that all that ultimately exists is um, natural stuff, the physical stuff of the universe, um, natural laws and processes. Um, nothing supernatural going on in that view of the world. And besides that, you put the Christian view that there is a God behind this universe, that there is a divine mind, that we're here for a purpose, uh, that there is something to life beyond simply uh, living and breeding and dying. And so when you look at these two worldviews, you have to ask, well, which makes best sense of all of the data we have around us, of all the evidence that's available to all of us? Um, and so I'm a Christian, and, and I, I didn't become a Christian through any particular apologetic arguments. I had a direct experience of God, which convinced me, you know, when I was in my late teens, that, that Jesus was real, that he really had uh, risen from the dead, and that I could trust my life to him. But obviously, as I went on in my Christian journey, I met many skeptics and, and non-believers who challenged me on that and said, Justin, I haven't had your experience, so can you give me any evidence outside of that? And, and so for me, that's what doing the show has done. It, it's helped me to, to compare these two worldviews, atheism and Christianity, and ask, well, which one makes best sense of the things we can all agree on? You know, the way the universe is, for instance, and that's one of the things I bring up in the book. I think that God makes better sense of our existence as humans than atheism does. Because when you look at the physics of this universe, when you look at the extraordinary complexity, the fine-tuning of what was required just in order to get life going at some point in our universe, it screams out for an explanation beyond itself because of the extraordinary nature of these physical forces that the universe was birthed with. And even the fact, you know, we can do science at all, that in itself is a remarkable thing. Many people don't realize just what an extraordinary thing it is that this universe is set up to be discoverable through the laws of physics. That's, that's not something you would expect on an atheistic worldview, where, you know, there's no reason for the universe to have this extraordinary, potent ability mm. to be discovered by, you know, someone just thinking about it in an armchair. That, that doesn't make sense, and it was something that the mathematician Eugene Wigner wrote in, in a 1961 paper. He called it the uh, unreasonable effectiveness of mathematics. Mm. He said, it's like we've been gifted this thing, and we just don't know why. Well, actually, I think Christianity has a very very good reason it's because there is a, an orderly mind behind the universe so so that's one way of going you can look at the scientific evidence and say well what what best you know best explains this and i think christianity is is by far the best explanation but you know another thing i unpack in the book is 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 rather than looking out there in the universe look inside us you know and ask well why do we consider humans to be of such tremendous value why do we draw up you know declarations of human rights and things like that again i found it very difficult to find an answer for that on the atheistic way of looking at life because if we are simply the product of blind forces of evolution um, there's really no reason why we should prefer ourselves over any other species on the earth 
and there's no particular reason why we should value human life you know, universally in the way that we've put down in these declarations. Um, I've never really heard a satisfactory atheist explanation of, of why we believe in the intrinsic dignity and value of humans. But again, Christianity has a ready explanation for that sense of dignity and intrinsic value we all do believe in, and it is that we are made in the image of God, as, as you know, is set out in the very first chapter of Genesis. So there's just a number of different things that I pull together um, to sort of say, if you're simply looking at both of these as explanations for the world around us, for what we see inside us, what makes best sense? And I, I've just consistently come down and, and realized that, that Christianity makes better sense of things. And, and that's been the story of many, many people who have converted from atheism to Christianity, some of the, the greatest thinkers of our time, C.S. Lewis. That was the journey they went on. They realized, I can't be an atheist anymore because it doesn't make sense of what I see around me. And, 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 and it's always a joy to be able to explore that with people on the program. Friends, we're talking to Justin Brierley. This is the Jeremiah Johnston Show on Faith Radio Network, and Justin is joining us all the way from London, England, and I want to make sure you appreciate the context if you've just tuned in. Justin is telling us why he's still a follower of Jesus after 13 years of conversations with atheists. And folks, this isn't once a year or once a quarter. Justin produces a weekly program called Unbelievable, the show and the podcast. So I would encourage you to subscribe to it, connect with it, uh, and Justin, I want to dig down a little deeper because uh, I wrote a book called Unimaginable that you were kind enough to endorse what our world would be like without Christianity. And after two years of research, there's 36, I think 36 or 37 pages of citations and notes in the back of the book discussing what the world would be like without Christianity. What was more profound to me than even the evidential arguments that I put forward was this after being an evacuee of, hurric of Hurricane Harvey here in Houston, Texas. Uh, of course, the worst natural disaster in American history. What I witnessed and what many Houstonians witnessed in the aftermath were believers in Jesus Christ unified, coming together, helping people rebuild their lives, not just physically, but spiritually. I saw the church at its finest, and that was the greatest evidence I could see because it was the transformation of people's lives. Christianity was meeting a direct need where individuals and families were in desperation. You had a similar experience in Africa, didn't you, when you were on mission, you and Lucy? And I want to appreciate this because I really enjoyed every chapter of your book. I love the evidence. Obviously, I'm an evidentialist. I'm a New Testament scholar. I love that. But what, what spoke to my heart was the fact that you were able to share about this experience that you had in Africa, seeing the church in action. And I want you to tell us about it. But, I, friends, I'm sorry, we've got to go to a break. Um, I know I've teed up this question, but if you'll just wait 90 seconds, Justin is going to answer truly what was the most profound reason why he's still a Christian. And he's written about it in his book, Unbelievable. I, I hope you'll pick up. But he's going to give us the answer, so stay with us here at Faith Radio Network. This is the Jeremiah Johnson Show.
Welcome back to the show. This is Jeremiah Johnston, your host, and I'm talking to Justin Brierly. And thanks so much for joining us in the discussion today, friends. And don't forget, you can always participate by emailing me the question at askjjj.com. Justin, I had just teed up the question for you. And for the benefit of our audience who are just joining us, you've had conversations with atheists and non-Christians for more than 10 years, and you've written about it now in a best-selling book, Unbelievable, that Alistair McGrath wrote the foreword to. Tell me this, though. You and your amazing wife, Lucy, you have four children. Uh, Lucy is an ordained minister in the Church of England. You had this experience in Africa where you saw the church in action. Uh, I don't want to say anything else because I've read about it in your book, but tell us how profound this truly was in your life and journey. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity. I mean, uh, this all began really before I ever began my unbelievable show and the apologetics ministry and so on. Um, really, it, it was it was after, shortly after getting married, Lucy and I decided before we got tied down with kids and jobs and that kind of thing, we would go out to Africa for a year and, and work there uh, with a mission organization. And that took us to Namibia in southern Africa, uh, where we worked on traditional kind of mission station really um, with a hospital a school a church and and we got to just live alongside um, the people there uh, make friends uh, contribute in ways that we could to the school and the church and so on and really um, you know live alongside the traditional rural communities in that part of Namibia it was a fantastic uh, cross-cultural experience for us that we'll never forget and what it taught me really was the extraordinary nature of Christianity in, in as much as it is able to be what it is to someone from a completely different culture, completely, you know, a tribe that, um, you know, you would have trouble pronouncing the name of. And yet we were able to have this common, um, if you like, joint faith in Jesus Christ that united us. And, and for me, that's the extraordinary thing about Christianity is that it works, um, that it mm. is not located in one particular region of the world. It, it has become a truly transnational faith. It is a truly transnational family. Uh, and, and Christianity has this inherent flexibility that can take any culture and ennoble it um, because, because it works. Um, one of the most interesting articles I ever read actually was by an atheist, Matthew Paris, in The Times. And it was titled, As an Atheist, I Truly Believe Africa Needs God. And he was going back to his, uh, he grew up in Malawi in, in Africa. And he had been on a recent trip uh, back to his, where he grew up. And, and what he realized was that for all that the NGOs and um, secular organizations and governments do in, in various parts of the world, including Africa, to, to alleviate poverty and to, to bring about transformation, no one does it better than the church. And he just saw the way that Christianity transforms people for the better in all different places, in all different cultures. And I just thought that was a remarkably perceptive and interesting thing for so someone who happily admits they're an atheist and says this this is a problem for my atheism. I don't like the fact that Christianity makes such an enormous difference in people's lives. And, and I just think that very often um, we can have lots of great intellectual arguments and so on for Christianity, but very often it's actually seeing it in practice, making yes. a difference. The way you saw it in Houston in the wake of, of, of that hurricane, that, that you actually realize this isn't just something that works in theory, it works in practice. And so that was a tremendous thing for me to see that the way that Christianity has made a difference in people's lives in Namibia, um, in all kinds of ways. It, it, and, and, and obviously Namibia has, as many African countries do, its own sort of history in terms of colonialism and, and all of the rest of that. But actually, 
what Christianity has done in Namibia is it's given people hope, it's given people rights, it's given people education, it's given people health care. Um, and although I hear many atheists talk about all the great things that a secular society and humanism and so on can offer, it seems to be that only Christianity actually delivers that very often. It's, mm. it's actually Christians you'll find in the places where the most need where the great need is greatest and that for me is an interesting thing we can all agree on what needs to happen but for some reason it's christianity that causes the change of heart that makes people go and do it in my experience and and that for me is a very important thing to remember friends we're talking to justin Briarly. i would encourage you to connect with him on social media at unbelievable jb for justin Briarly. this is a broadcast you're going to want to listen to again and if you're a pastor if you lead a bible study uh, Justin and I are having a conversation where you are getting so many great pearls. Thank you so much, Justin, for pulling out of the laboratory of life, your experience, talking to atheists while you're still a follower of Jesus, and yet seeing our feet to our faith in Christianity in action. It's powerful. Justin, I want to go to a different direction for the few minutes that we have left. Mm. I have ministered with you uh, in London, England. I lived there in 2009 and 2010. The UK is a very, is a wonderful culture, uh, but it can be closed at times towards Americans. What I was blown away by was when we had the unbelievable event there in central London, and we brought up the notion, the topic of mental illness in the faith, those struggling with anxiety and depression, I was overwhelmed by the reaction from people in the United Kingdom. In fact, Andy Bannister and I were, have been emailing about it since. Uh, this is a huge problem first, isn't it? Cross-culturally, it doesn't matter if you're in the United States or you're in the United Kingdom. But what can you tell us being across the pond about the hope that we have the opportunity to bring with those who are struggling? What were your impressions of our event together? Mm. Yeah, well, I would entirely agree with with what you said there, Jeremiah. Um, we had never really tackled the issue of mental health in in the Unbelievable Conference, and but when you brought that uh, your talk, there was just a phenomenal response to it, um, and and so many people who I think really needed to hear the very simple message you brought, which is that that God is with you in in your yeah. struggles, um, and that it, you. It's okay to be a Christian who struggles with mental health issues, and I think people just need to hear that because, like, like it is on your side of the pond here in the UK, you know, we are seeing what I would call a mental health crisis, especially among our young people, and I think there's a lot of factors in that, but I think a significant factor is they are growing up in a very different. Um, technological age, the one you and I grew up in, Jeremiah, in a way. And not that we're that old, but, yeah. but I'm just saying <laughs> they, they are now growing up with their peer group constantly at their side through their mobile phone, digital technology. That presents kinds of pressures on people's mental health that we never had to deal with growing up ourselves. And so I think, I think the church is absolutely essential that the church understands this, recognizes it, and deals with it in fruitful ways. And, and I'm just so glad that, that you and your father and others have been addressing this because I think the church really needs to wake up to the fact that um, there is a mental health crisis and that we are also called to be the answer to that. We're not called to somehow judge people because they're failing at some level. And I think, I think as you know, where the church has often got it wrong is kind of loading people with a kind of a kind of guilt or expectation that they're supposed to be living some kind of victorious life. And when people don't feel like that, they suddenly feel they've failed as a Christian. And the fact is that, you know, even Paul, it would appear, if you read the scriptures, mm -hmm. 
struggled with depression, struggled with, you know, and, and so I think we need to be honest, we need to bring it out in the open, and, and, and that's what you've done so well with what you've written and, and spoken of, and, and I feel it's absolutely essential here in the UK and, and uh, elsewhere that, we, that we're honest about this in the church. Well, thank you for saying that, Justin. And by God's grace, we're all going to continue to join forces discussing this. I want to, I want to give you my opinion and I, I just want you to react to it for a minute. I'm making a brand new talk that I'm going to be delivering to a group of Christian leaders soon. And I am going to say that the number one, because in my opinion, apologetics is all about answering the questions our culture is asking about the faith today. I think that this has been the hallmark of the church from the early church fathers through history, men and women who have risen up and they've had this ability to communicate to the questions of the day. We have different questions today. You've just discussed the context of mental health with the absolutely, we cannot put our phones down, the pressures that our young people are growing up with. But in my experience doing Christian Thinker Society now for almost 10 years, the fact that I have received, for every one question I receive for about unbelief or about the Bible, I received three about mental health. Now, we don't have that much time left. We only have about 120 seconds, Justin, but I believe that the number one apologetics question of our time is what the church will do with mental health. It's a huge opportunity and it's a huge challenge. How do you react to that? Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I, I think this is where we have to pick the ball up and, and run with it, um, because very often the problem is sometimes, even in the world of apologetics, we're answering questions that people aren't necessarily asking. And actually, we did. A, there was a poll recently here in the UK asking, well, what are young people asking about? Is it, you know, did Jesus really rise? Is it, does God exist? Well, actually, the main question they were asking was, how can I cope with the the depression I'm feeling? Uh, these are the issues that people are facing, and if we don't recognize that and answer them, then, then we're being left behind and we're leaving young people uh, to suffer. So absolutely, I, I couldn't agree more. We, we have to find um, that emotional, pastoral, and intellectual response that, that all together lets people know that they're loved, they're valued, and that, that Jesus is for them. And, and so, yeah, I, I absolutely pray that we can do more of that, whether it's in apologetics, whether it's in pastoral ministry. Um, you know, we need to make sure we've got a good response to this. Excellent. Justin, you have been such an amazing guest. And before you go, friends, I want to remind you, connect with Justin on Facebook and Twitter at UnbelievableJB. Go ahead and pick up his book. If you've read it, leave him a good review on Amazon or in ChristianBook.com. You can get it. The title of the book is Unbelievable by Justin Brierley, forward by Alistair McGrath. Justin, God bless you for the way in which you continue to sacrifice. God bless Lucy. God bless your beautiful four children. Thank you for being a gentleman who will stand in the gap before the Lord for the people. Thank you so much for your love for people to have these conversations. Uh, we so appreciate you coming on our program. Will you please come back and talk again? I would be absolutely delighted to do that, Jeremiah. Thank you so much for having me on, and God bless you. God bless you. Thanks, Justin. Now stay with us. I have some more thoughts for you, and we're going to be answering more questions in the next segment here on the Jeremiah Johnston Show on Faith Radio Network.
Welcome back to the program. This is your host, Jeremiah, and we discuss tough topics. We discuss tough questions on this program, and that's really what our entire ministry, Christian Thinker Society, is dedicated to. And friends, I want you to know right at the outset, I am so passionate to discuss this question around mental health, mental wellness, suicide, depression, anxiety in the Christian life. Uh, Justin and I just discussed that. It's really the number one question in the UK. Guess what? It's the number one question in the US too. It's the number one question everywhere I go and speak. And I speak uh, several times a month and it doesn't matter where I am. It doesn't matter what denomination. It doesn't matter the demographic of the audience. Anytime I even say the word suicide, mental health, um, anxiety, depression, it elicits a response. And guess what? The Bible speaks to this issue. Now, I want to take you to a very special segment for a moment because, again, I'm looking here at my computer screen. I have hundreds of questions that have been submitted to me. We categorize these. And so many of you ask me about anxiety, depression, suicide, mental wellness, what that looks like uh, at the place of, within the place of faith, at the intersection of faith. And um, I was recently a guest uh, for my good friend Janet Parshall on her radio show over on the Moody Radio Network in the market with Janet Parshall. And I love that program because it's very similar to this one. Every time Janet has me, she just, just has me answer unanswered questions. And I want to play a clip from you from the broadcast because a mother phones in, and I want you to understand, friends, she will not share her name. She is an anonymous caller. This is a safe program. This is supposed to, it is a Christian program, but how many of you know Christians don't gossip? They just share prayer requests. Am I right? Uh, she's not even comfortable enough to share her name. And I want you to listen because if you miss the first few seg se seconds of this caller, you're going to miss the question that then I answer. But what I'm doing here is I'm inviting you into my world where you can hear how we can answer this question. She's asking about undetected mental illness, and she's asking, is suicide the unforgivable sin? Let's take a listen to this segment. Um, thank you for taking my call. I just wondered if you could address mental illness and suicide. We lost our son 10 months ago, mm. and he had a relationship with the Lord as a teenager. He was in his early 20s and had undetected mental illness. So I just wonder if you could address, are those people that have passed away and died this way with the Lord. Thank you. Oh, gosh. God bless you for that call. Thank you so much for your boldness and your courage to call in. And right now, God is using you to minister to hundreds and thousands of other people who are struggling with this question. I want you to know, Anonymous Caller, this is the number one question that I have been asked about suicide and mental illness. And I want to first speak specifically yeah, yeah. to your questions. Your son is with Jesus Christ. Nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. Romans 8 says that. 2 Corinthians 5, 8, absent from the body, present with the Lord. And this is why it is so important. We have right theology and we understand scriptural teachings. There's a false teaching out there that says, first off, an authentic Christian can never be depressed. False. Have you read the Bible lately? An authentic Christian can never struggle. False. Have you read the Bible lately? And Jesus literally said, my soul is utterly downcast in Matthew 14, 34 and 35. I feel like death. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I know I'm preaching right now, Janet. The Apostle Paul says, I have the sentence of death within me right now. I don't even want to go on living. Janet, 25% of our pastors right now in the United States are struggling with chronic depression. And so what I love about that terrible statistic is it is bringing these taboo subjects of mental illness 
into sharper focus. So suicide Amen. and mental illness, it's not only common in our congregation, it has become common among our pastors. When I was finishing the final edit for Unanswered Lasting Truth for Trending Questions, I kid you not, 10 miles from where I was finishing the book, a pastor, 35 years here in Texas, very well known, took his life. Rick Warren's son, Matthew, took his life. Yes. The very first funeral I ever did as a young pastor, and I just love it how seminary does not train you for certain things. The first funeral I ever did was a completed suicide of a lady named Kim. I won't share her last name in our church and just to encourage our caller. She blew away all these stereotypes. She was there on Sunday morning. She was there on Sunday night. She was there for Wednesday night prayer meeting. She had just been voted teacher of the year in the large public schools uh, in, the, in the public school district in Kansas City. And one day in a bout of incredible depression, she went out and she took her life and so i want to encourage you nothing can separate you from the love of jesus christ your son is with the lord right now but you know what there's some things that we need to understand as a church on how to speak to the mental illnesses and the invisible illnesses plaguing those in our congregations wow uh this is jeremiah your host back on the jeremiah johnston show you've just heard a clip uh of an answer i gave on the moody radio network from a mom who phoned in asking about her son who had undetected mental illness and died by suicide i want to say something to those of you who are listening to me right now if you were a christian and if you have struggled with anxiety with depression you are not a second tier second rate christian god can meet you in the midst of your adv- adversity He can meet you right now in the midst of your pain, and he will bring you hope to transcend that anxiety and that depression. You have to take him at his word that he will do that. But I want to answer this question. There is only one sin that God cannot and God will not forgive. It's called the unpardonable sin. And guess what that is according to the Gospels? The unpardonable sin is rejecting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That is the only sin that God can't forgive. And friends, I want to tell you this. There is an amazing body of research about uh, just the problems that suicide wreak on not only immediate family members, but generations of family members. Suicide is never the answer. It's never the way out. But it is true that some believers in Jesus Christ, unfortunately, take their life. We heard that in the clip that we just listened to. I have to be have biblical integrity. I have to answer what the Bible actually says as a Bible scholar. And there is no Bible verse that says that suicide is the unpardonable sin. Someone needs to hear that right now. That in no way is permission to take your life. It is a sin to take your life. It is a sin to take any life. God's plans for you are to prosper you. Jeremiah promises that. So many promises in God's word that he is with us even in the midst of our adversity. But I do want to answer that. And I want to remind you to have biblical insight and biblical wisdom when we struggle with this. I don't have the time to get into it all, but I was recently speaking at a major conference in Tulsa, Oklahoma. A woman walked up to me after I played this clip in my message, and she said, Jeremiah, I've been struggling for over 12 years because my husband, who was the senior pastor of our church, if you can imagine this, he went out and he took his life. What happened next was shocking. The associate pastor sat her down. He read her a passage from Isaiah. He did what I call eisegesis. He read his own meaning into the scripture and therefore distorted the meaning. He quoted a verse from Isaiah and said, your husband is in hell. 
She said, Jeremiah, no one has ever brought up suicide in the Christian life until you did in this in this conference. She said, and she said this through tears. She was shaking physically. She said, I'm going to go home and sleep today. I know my husband shouldn't have done that, but nothing can separate him from the love of Jesus Christ. She said, I'm going to go home and sleep for the first time in 12 years. Do you see how when you offer a biblical answer can bring someone hope even in the midst of their greatest adversity? That's what this program is all about, bringing you hope, bringing you answers. Stay with me. We'll be back with some final thoughts in 90 seconds. Welcome back to our final segment on the Jeremiah Johnson Show. I want to jump right to Caitlin's question. Thank you so much, Caitlin, for emailing me at AskJJJ.com and giving us this question. Hi, my name is Caitlin. I'm 17 years of age. I'm currently a junior in high school. Since I only have one year left, I should be looking into careers. I want to be a missionary, but I want to be a successful missionary. In Mark 16:5, it talks about going into all the world, proclaiming the gospel to the whole creation. Jeremiah, how do I know God wants me to be a missionary? I feel like it's what I'm called to do, but I'm confused on how to get there and how to be successful doing it. Kaylin, I don't have much time. I've emailed you some answers, but I want to add some thoughts. I just applaud your sensitivity to God's calling in your life. There's no question he's leading you. My advice is first do some short-term mission trips. Make sure it's what you want to do, and that also will give you some great exposure to different cultures and people groups and communities. You might find one that you're more passionate about than the other. Um, I want to encourage you, no matter what, you need that biblical foundation. So make sure you get a good BA in biblical studies. Uh, I know you probably just want to jump on the mission field, but it's so important for you to be centered on the Word of God and to have some serious study. You may even consider some missions uh, courses at the seminary level. Of course, I always recommend the IMB, an incredible program, International Mission Board of the Southern Baptist. There's other great ones, New Tribes Missions, so many great interdenominational missions organizations. Have you talked to some missionaries out there? Find missionaries who are perhaps retired or on furlough. Um, just say, hey, what would you change if you could change anything about your career? Or what would your advice be ministering today to me? Uh, Caitlin, I hope that helps uh, with answers. And I want to remind all of you, you can ask me any question you want. Go to AskJJJ.com, submit your question. And don't forget, we have books, Bible studies, video series that I've authored called Unanswered, The Dark Side, Others, Re- Reaching Muslims for Christ, Jesus and the Jihadis, What the World Would Be Like Without Christianity, Unimaginable. Check out our store over at ChristianThinkers.com. And here's another question that's been asked from Terry. Dr. Johnson, how do you feel about a church service that is totally, and she writes in all caps, dedicated to veterans on Veterans Day weekend, honoring them for their services, also the singing of the national anthem in church? Let me say my husband is retired military. I feel like we can thank them, but I come to church to worship God. There are many mixed emotions in our congregation. Thank you. I'm very sensitive to this question, Terry. Thank you so much for asking it. I struggle with this. I have to be honest with you. I'm as patriotic as you get, especially having lived in Canada and the United Kingdom. The United States is the greatest nation in the world. It's blessed by God. But as Christians, I think it's so important that we separate our faith from patriotism and nationalism. Um, I really studied this at Oxford. There were theologians in Hitler's day. They're now referred to as Nazi theologians who 
actually thought that God had raised up Hitler as the savior. And there's a lot more I could get into there. And of course, you can imagine how humiliated they were to see Hitler's final solution. It did not have anything uh, to do with the Christian faith. It was atheistic. It was awful. And so we have to be careful. We have to be careful today that we don't distort the gospel. We don't get into syncretism where we try to merge our faith with patriotism. So I would proceed with caution. Thanks so much for the question, Terry. Uh, Thanks so much for all these questions you're submitting to me on AskJJJ.com. Friends, it's been another great program. Again, my thanks to Justin Brierley for joining us all the way from London, England. Thanks to all of you who've submitted questions. Join us next week for another great program on The Jeremiah Johnson Show. Hi, I'm Jeremiah Johnston. Thanks for listening to the podcast from the Jeremiah Johnston Show. I definitely want to hear from you, so if you have a follow-up question from today's program, you can submit it to me at www.askjjj.com. You'll also see how you can connect with us from there across social media. And don't forget, these conversations are available because of listener support. And you can make a gift right now to the Faith Radio Network at www.myfaithradio.com. And to avoid missing future editions of The Jeremiah Johnston Show, please subscribe to the podcast at iTunes. You can do a Google Play, RSS feed. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of the program.